Praise God that he gave us another day of life. That last song, just want to sit there a while and keep singing that. Don't just the, the hymn of heaven. Look forward to the return of Christ. It's a big day uh, for grace today. We are planning a church in Elkhart. You've been familiar with that. Yeah, praise God for that. Uh, downtown, south side, I should say. And uh, Pastor Tannen has been working hard, he and his wife Ariel and family and some, a group, there's a group of 98 people who have made a commitment to go there, 54 adults, 44 children, praise God. And today, uh, we'll launch it, our hard launch in January, but today, for the first time, they are gathering together, they are in our, our middle school auditorium, they worshiped with us this morning, they're practicing and Pastor Tannen will be preaching to them. So right now, during this service, there is a church, Grace Community Church, Elkhart, is meeting, and we want to welcome them. So can we welcome them? Can we welcome them? Hey, guys, we love you. We're grateful that you're with us today, and we are supporting you, holding up your arms, and Hey, Tanning, go get them, bro. I'll get them here. You go get them there. <laughs> I'm excited about today's message. It's a one that God laid on my heart this week in our gun lap series. And if you haven't been with us, you can catch up. No need to repeat what the gun lap is. But we need to anticipate the return of Jesus as you run. And what I mean by that is Jesus is coming. The rapture is about to occur, I believe. I could say, I don't know, no one knows the date, no man knows except the three and one, but I do believe that Jesus could rapture his church in my lifetime. I believe it could happen during this service. I believe it could happen before you have your Labor Day lunch this afternoon. In my mind, as I look at eschatology and look ahead, there are so many signs that have been fulfilled that I, 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 for the life of me, other than Jesus is willing and wanting that none should perish, uh, maybe we get a chance to lead the last person that has been chosen to Christ, and then the rapture occurs. But never in my lifetime has the stage been set more clearly, I would say, for the return of Jesus. Earthquakes everywhere, floods, just look in your newspaper, current events, pestilence, we've been living with one, fires, Everywhere. I'm just talking America. You don't even have to, to look beyond America. Moral breakdown. People living as if God doesn't exist. Truth being squashed and even blocked out and blacked out. If you speak truth in our world on social media, the, the founders, the, the people who run those sites have permission just to, to, to throw you off all together. There is all kinds of, of gender confusion, pluralism, rampant fear, hopelessness. The stage is being set for a fake man of peace to enter the scene with all the answers to bring peace to Israel. A man that comes on the scene and says, I, I have the answer. I can bring peace to the chaos. Who doesn't want peace right now in our world? This fake man, this, this, this antichrist as we understand, the stage is so set for him to step in. Please, let me just say this as, as your pastor, as your friend. Please live with a keen sense that Jesus could return today and tell the world about Jesus. Don't let a loved one go to hell on your watch. Don't let a classmate, a teammate, a family member, but do it with gentleness and respect. Share the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus said something 2,000 years ago that those words when he spoke them are as relevant today as they were then in regards to the rapture. Grab your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to read that today, and I'll ask you to stand here in our auditoriums as we read this, those of you who are in the south and those who are tuning online, stand in your front rooms, let's stand in this auditorium, and let's read Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 through 44. Would you read it out loud with me? Ready, read. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. 
As it was in the days of Noah, so it would be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it would be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. You may have a seat. Jesus is encouraging us. These were his words. Run with a posture of readiness for Jesus' return. Run with a posture of readiness for Jesus' return. We don't know the exact date when Jesus spoke these words. He said the son didn't know. I would say that he knows in his resurrected body now that the three in one knows. But the point is this, live as though it could happen. You don't know the time or date. But live every day that today could be the day that the rapture occurs. Quick timeline, which I believe when I think about eschatology. We are here in the church age. The next thing on the timeline that I believe is the rapture of the church. This is what I believe Jesus is talking about. So the rapture of the church takes place. The rapture of the church is those of us who know Christ, we are raptured out because we have a relationship, we are born again, we know him personally. And it says that those that dead bodies that are in the grave, their souls, spirits have already left them at their death, but their bodies will join them in the air, resurrected, the, the, the perishable becomes imperishable. So that's the rapture of the church. Go seven years after that is what we would understand as the tribulation period. The first half is the three and a half years. Then the second half they call the great tribulation where all evil is ramped up. At the end of that is the return of the second coming of Christ. It's when we who have already been gathered at the rapture, we come with him. He's riding on a white horse and we, the battle of Armageddon takes place and Jesus does what he can. He wipes out evil as we understand it. Jesus is referring to the rapture before the seven years of tribulation. So he gives these, this parable, be ready. Two men will be in a field. One will leave, one will be left. Two women are at the kitchen counter making supper. One will leave, one will keep making supper. A man, a thief will come in the night and he will rob you and you're not ready for him. You're not living as if he could come. And so Jesus says, be ready. And then he gives us this account of Noah. He brings something from the the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the, the book of Genesis. He brings it into the Torah. He brings it in and he says, as it was in the days of Noah, it will be in the days of the rapture. In other words, this gargantuous boat that was being built thousands of years ago, people just got used to it. They got so used to that this boat was there that they got numb that this boat was there for a purpose, that this ark was there to be used because the earth would be flooded. So initially, they, they knew something was coming because all these Menards trucks and Home Depot trucks and Lowe's trucks kept coming into their cul-de-sac and piling up lumber. And day after day, they heard beep, 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 beep. But the text is telling us that after a time, their eyes... Their ears became numb to the sound. And even when they looked, oh, that's just the crazy guy. He's building a boat where after a while, after the tourist buses stopped coming by, they realized that's just a crazy man with a crazy message. We don't need to worry about. There's no flood coming. Just continue to party and, and marry and live life and plan for retirement. And Jesus said, just as it was then, it will be today. People will go about their own. They'll take their plans and their schedules and they'll live life as if Jesus isn't rapturing the church. 
They'll live as if God doesn't care how they live. They'll adapt culture. They'll take the standards of man and implement in their life. They will reject God's word and the truths of God's word. They don't believe the word of God anymore. And the truths that are found here, well, that's just another book. In so much that even now, we used to be able to say in my lifetime that why you do that? Because the Bible says so. We can no longer say that to the generation today because they have believed a lie and it breaks my heart. This is God's word, this is truth. And Jesus is saying it's easy to get numb to what's going on. It's easy to buy in as a teenager to the lies around you. It's easy to let these temptations that are overcoming you to become a pattern of your life because you think it doesn't matter what God's word said. You believe that God's word is irrelevant, but hear me out, please. God's word is the standard for truth. And when we live by God's word, there's peace and hope and life in his word. I was reminded this week, and honestly, it broke my heart. I was registering for a Christian organization this week to help support a noble cause. And as I went through the registration process, my name, the typical address, phone number, there was a line for gender. And I'm gonna put male, I'm a male, just ask my wife, she'll tell you but I'm a male. And as I began to scroll and hit male, it broke my heart. It said male, female, binary, unisex, and I wept. You see, this third-party group, which sells their registrations and makes things easy, was now in the platform of a Christian place, and by the way, the, 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 the group that ran this became aware of it too and they quickly dismissed that section and put male and female. But it broke my heart, like that's accepted. Like we can choose what gender, please don't believe the lies. Don't believe the lies, please. It breaks my heart, it's a lie. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God said he created male and female that's God's standard for truth. It's his standard for truth. Can I speak tenderly and lovingly to those of you who find yourself with confusion? Listen, my heart breaks for you. I know underneath all that confusion, there have been moments where you believe the truth. I know there are people in this room and in our world that I dearly love that have same-sex attraction. Hear me out. Because you aren't tempted with that doesn't mean it isn't real. And it doesn't mean that people aren't struggling with it and tempted with it. I don't understand it, but I want to have compassion towards it. And just because I don't deal with that temptation doesn't mean it isn't real. I am sorry that you struggle, but hear me out. Just because it's temptation doesn't mean that you have the, the privilege to follow through with the temptation. In the same way, let me pull away, let me speak to those of us who have an attraction to the opposite sex that I believe is God's intent, male and female. In the same way that you might struggle to look at pornography and look at the, see someone else of the opposite sex, in the same way you might lust or you might have a desire to, 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 to go to bed with someone of the opposite sex before marriage, and maybe you're in marriage and, 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 and you're tempted to, to look at someone else and to sleep with them, just because you're tempted doesn't give you permission to follow through with it. So can we pull away and say, we all struggle. But listen to me, just because we're prone one way or another, we must adhere to God's word. You might go the rest of your life with a temptation and a propensity for same sex. 
you might go the rest of your life tempted to sleep with someone outside of marriage. Listen, you might struggle the rest of your life, but hear me, it's worth the struggle to not give in because Jesus honors obedience. I have never in my lifetime seen the stage being set for the moral breakdown in our world for someone to come on and bring hope, false hope. I have never seen the stage and platform set any more than it is right now. Jesus is speaking here and he's saying, don't miss the exit plan. God has provided for us just like he did in Noah's day. But some of us are so numb to truth and we believe we can't get out of these cycles of sin and somehow this is how God made us. Listen, no. God's original intent was male and female. And as he looked at Noah, he said, you better be aware as in Noah's day because Jesus is coming you say, Pastor Jim, how do you know? Well, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Just take a peek. Like, look with me. This is God's word. Let's, let's see what, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 52. He said, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. In a flash. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the dead will be raised and perishable, and we will be changed. Look at 1 Thessalonians, keep going right. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, God's Electric Power Company, GEPC, 1 Thessalonians. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and look at verses 16 to 18. Paul said again, for the Lord himself will come down from where? What's your Bible say? Heaven. With a loud what? What's your Bible say? Command. With the voice of a what? What's it say? Archangel. And with the what call of God? Trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. The bodies will come out of the grave. After that, we who are here at Grace Community today and still alive and are left will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet who in the air? The Lord. And Paul said, and so we will be with the Lord. How long? forever. And then Paul said, therefore, encourage one another with these words. This week, we had a gentleman come into our church, and I didn't notice him. I came through the hallway, and he was over by the office, and he was by a table. He was seated at a chair, and I went out and said, hey, how you doing? He had an army jacket on. You could see he had served time, and I thanked him for serving. And I said, what are you in here for, bro? He said, well, I heard that you guys give vouchers for food. I said, we do. He said, I heard I needed to talk to a secretary. I said, well, you can talk to me. I said, what's your name? He said, my name's Kent. I said, tell me your story. So he told me his story. He was in Kentucky, and now he's here, and he can't find a job, and he needs money. And I said, well, have you applied? I'm going to push him to it. I'm going to make sure he's applied. Did you apply anywhere? Yeah, I applied here, and I applied there. I said, well, have you had any interviews? I wanted to make sure he was given his part. Yeah, I had an interview, and he said, uh, they told me they're going to call me back. He says, but I'm in a rough spot, and he said, I need some food. And I, and I said, well, we, we can help you out. I, we'll get you some food vouchers, and we'll help you out. He said, but what I really need is some gas. He said, man, I don't have any gas in my car. And he said, I'm, I'm trying to make it from interview to interview. And, and so you try in that moment to listen to the Spirit of God and listen to his promptings, whether you turn to right or left. Years, we hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, Isaiah 30, 21. And I felt in that moment that, hey, I'm going to help this dude out. And I said, dude, you need gas? I'll buy you gas. I said, where's your car? He said, it's out in the parking lot. I said, well, drive up to the gas station up here. I'll come up in my car, and I'll put gas in your vehicle. So we went up there, and he got out and grabbed my credit card and pumped him up. And it was $39.52. And, but I didn't want to talk to him about Jesus till after I pumped the gas because I didn't want to have him impure motive to hear about Jesus. And we began to talk, and I soon found out that, boy, it had been rough for him. It had been hard. And we talked some more, and I asked him this. I said, dude, what's your exit plan? He said, exit plan? I said, yeah, what's your exit plan when you die? I said, what do you think's on the other side? What, 
do you believe in the afterlife? He said, well, I'm hoping I'm going north. <laughs> I said, well, me too. <laughs> and I began to talk to him about what that meant and how we can know that we can go north and, and soon found out after talking to him for about 10 minutes that he wasn't sure that he knew Christ and he had a form of godliness, but there wasn't a point in his life where he had ever trusted in Jesus. So I looked at him and said, bro, I said, today could be the day your exit plan is sealed. I said, you can know when we leave here that whatever happens to you, that your next breath will be in the presence of Jesus Christ in heaven. And not only that, you'll have Jesus to go with you. You'll never be alone. I said, would you like to trust in Jesus? Tears started to drip from his face. They fell on the back of his car. He said, yes, sir, I would. So I reached over and put my hand on his army jacket and put my hand on the car and we prayed. And I said, pray with me, brother. And he prayed out loud, but right there at the gas pump and he prayed to receive Christ. And I gave him a, a big old hug and I said, bro, now you know that Jesus is the way. He said, I do. And he said, you know what? He said, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to check out your church. I said, listen, I didn't do that so that you would come to church. I wanted you to know the truth. Let me just say that that was the best $39.52 I've ever spent in my life. Why do I tell you that? Because we're supposed to run the race as if Jesus is coming and people will be left behind unless you and I tell them about Jesus. Verse 39, 100 years has passed and people still are rejecting Noah and the boat. They lived as if there was no flood that would ever come. Jesus said they were partying, they were marrying, and they were spending and saving. And it says the some were taken away. But what often gets lost in this account in Matthew 24 is that I am sure that, there, that, that people came a-knocking on the ark door, but it was too late when the waters began to rise. See, people live today as if the Bible is a bunch of nonsense, yet there will be a day when a trumpet will sound, a voice of an archangel will be heard, and those of us who know Christ, we will be ushered out of here. And people will be left behind. People will be so overwhelmingly blinded by sin and selfishness that no amount of evidence, no ark in the backyard, no word from anyone, nothing will, will be, cause them to seek God. And we are living in that day right now. Amen. The signs are everywhere. You have to pay attention to the signs. On Monday, I mowed my grass at home, and I enjoy mowing grass. It's one of the things I, it's my quiet time with God. So I get on a rotting mower, and I spend time. And in fact, I just put some new blades on it. And to be quite honest, I have to, after I mowed the grass, I went, hmm, looks pretty good. No one else knew that. I knew that. Like, looks pretty good. Tuesday morning, I woke up, and there was a brown spot in my grass, and it was pretty big. There was a sign in the yard that something was wrong with my lawn. And I thought maybe, maybe just maybe, it's, it's um, because it's been so dry, it hasn't rained much. And maybe it just finally caught up. And so I walked out and looked at my lawn and realized not only was it there, it wasn't there Monday, but it was there Tuesday. It's here and here and here. And I was like, wow, that's, well, that makes sense. If it wouldn't just be dry in one spot, it'd be dry in multiple spots. And and then I got on social media and I noticed that Shanae Miller and Nick Miller had a post up that there were these things called army worms that had gotten their grass and eaten it. And they showed pictures and I thought, wow, that sign or that picture looks like my yard. And that could be the sign that there's worms in my yard too. So I saw the sign that said something's wrong. And so instead of ignoring the sign, you know what I did? I called up the guy that normally sprays our lawn, Lee Gardner, and I said, Lee, I don't know what's going on with our lawn, but it's awful brown and, and, and it's, it's, in fact, I don't know if it's because it's been dry. I mean, you guys just fertilized it a couple weeks ago. I don't know if we didn't get enough rain. He said, no, Jim, you have army worms. 
I said, that's what happened to a friend of mine, too. I said, well, what can we do about that? He said, well, there's spray out there we can get. And I said, well, can you come by and spray? He said, yeah. So next day, he came, and he sprayed all of our lawn to kill these army worms because there was something underneath that was killing what was on the outside. You couldn't see it, but there was evidence that something's wrong. And so instead of ignoring it and letting it go, if I had let it go, everything would have been destroyed. I saw a sign that said, do something now, because if you don't, your lawn's going to be toast. (laughs) So he came and he sprayed, and we've had a few rains, and the areas have stopped, have no longer spreading across our lawn. Jesus is saying, there are signs out there that I'm coming. They are so clear, and there is a drought in our land. It is so brown with sin, and if you don't pay attention to it, you're going to miss the sign, and you won't be able to do something about it until it completely destroys you. I wonder how many people in our world are living just like that. This should be the wake-up call for us in our race. We should spur others onto the gospel and to share. We should run in such a way that we bring as many people with us as possible, but we have lost our sense of urgency for the lost world. Be really honest about it. Jesus said, one will be taken, one will be left behind. The earth will be a chaotic mess for seven years. Husbands and wives, one knows Christ, one doesn't know Christ. Few will be saved during the tribulation if you do studies of eschatologists. If possible, even the elect would be deceived. It's such a deception that will come on our earth that even the elect will be deceived. Jesus said, live as though I'm coming back. We already see that stage being set with social media, don't you? As soon as you speak about any truth, or you speak about the word of God, or you stand as a Christian, how many times have you been blocked? How many times have you shared your opinion from a biblical view, they've shut you down? How many people have been booted off? You see, there will be control of social media too. The stage is being set for it. I mean, just grab your phone, and your phones, if you're kidding yourself, you don't think they don't track you on your phone. <laughs> They know everything you're doing. They know everything you're saying. In fact, all you have to do is grab your phone and speak something into it, and you know what shows up in your timeline? That product. And so you know what I've been doing? I go, Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's funny. I don't care who you are. But you know what? Nothing comes up. Why? Because they control the airways. But if you say, man, I need a hub assembly for my trailer. I said that. I'm dead serious. Like, I need a hub assembly. Before I even Googled, I looked at my timeline. Hub assembly, hub assembly, hub assembly, hub assembly, hub assembly. The media is controlled. The airways are controlled by the evil one. If we knew the exact date we might be tempted to be lazy in our races till the very end. He says, he said, a thief doesn't come and, and knock on your door and say, I'm coming. Like, when is the last time you got to save the date from a thief at your house? <laughs> Seriously. How many? Anybody? When is the last time a thief knocked on your door, rang your doorbell, and you answered, and he said, I'll take that and that and that and that. No. They're just going to come and take it. And he says, the rapture will occur like a thief in the night when you least expect it. Jesus said, be ready. Be aware what's going on in our world. Know what the Bible says must take place for the rapture to occur. Plus, as a follower of Christ, don't you want to be found running and telling others about Jesus? I was blessed by you yesterday, Anthony. Anthony Carr had the privilege of going to an autograph session for Randy Moss. And if you're a football fan, you know who Randy Moss is, great receiver. I remember when he played for the Vikings and Patriots. And, and so 
Anthony's in line with his sons or son, and he's gone to get an autograph. He handed him a helmet, and Randy Moss is seated at the table, and the video shows Anthony. Anthony looks at Randy Moss and says, you know Jesus? <laughs> Randy Moss said, the real one? <laughs> <laughs> but I'll guarantee you that exchange, even though it was brief, I guarantee you that Randy Moss thought about Anthony and what he said. Why? Because the name of Jesus is above every name. What will it take to wake us up, church? What more needs to be written on the wall that Jesus is coming? Have we become so attached to the things of earth that we're not ready to let loose of it? Are we okay that our neighbors, our children, our spouses, our coworkers, our classmates are headed to hell? How many more days will you go before you tell someone who needs Christ about, about him? This week, I felt compelled after even studying more of this that I'm on an alumni page of my class of 1980 from Hagerstown, North Hagerstown High School. And we've had two deaths in the past six months and both of these guys were stud athletes that I went to high school with and so people knew them. They died and it broke my heart. So I got on the page and I just said, hey, some of you remember me when I was in high school and most of you that knew me knew that I was a Christian. I said, some I knew better and some I didn't know, some of you I didn't know so well. I said, but in light of the most recent deaths of Scott and Scuff, I said, it, it breaks my heart every time a classmate dies. And I went on to say, I wanna let you know, I pray for them and I pray for you and I pray for us. And then I went on to say, I had no idea that I would become a pastor one day, but this is the path that God has taken me. And I said this in this post. I want you to know that if you have questions about the afterlife, I believe that there's hope after death. And my belief is this as a Christian, that it's through Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And then I put, I have no agenda, I just love you. And if you would like to have a conversation or you're wondering about afterlife in light of Scuff and Scott, please message me. What happened on that page next was totally unreal. These Christians that I didn't know were Christians, I told people, I went to North Hagerstown High School, about 3,000 students, there were six Christians in the school that I was aware of, and three of them were my sisters. <laughs> but all of a sudden, you saw, I agree. Yes, Jim, thank you. I believe if one person stands courageously for Jesus, it strengthens the spines of others to stand for Jesus. What more will it take for you to share with your loved ones? How much longer will you let your neighbor go to hell, your boss go to hell, your coach go to hell, your teammate go to hell? Jesus said, we better be ready. And then he says, there's some signs, and scripture is loaded with them. And so there are signs in scripture, like, like I saw the, the burnt grass, like that's a sign that something's dead. <laughs> and if I don't do something soon, I'm gonna lose everything. And the Bible says there's signs that, of Jesus' return, but here's the powerful thing about these signs. It's not signs for the rapture that happens first. It's signs for what takes place seven years after the rapture, the end of the tribulation called the second coming, when we come with Jesus. The Bible says when these signs appear, Jesus is coming. Well, think about it. If that means those, then we know it's coming because if this is taking place after this, and we have already these signs, and boy, he's coming now. And the Bible gives us credence, and there's a bunch of signs that are there, and here's just a few. And you answer if these have not already been fulfilled. 
In Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 to 8, it says, signs of the times, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Can I just say, duh? In Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, it says that there will be the rise of Russia. We saw the demise in our lifetime that the, the Russia kind of went off the scenes. But, but have, have you been following current events, Russia? Do you know who is now one of their, 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 their teammates? China. And do you realize that Russia and Vladimir is and watching what's taking place with him, they are rising and they are making inroads and they are coming on the scene. And it says, if you understand, interpret best as I can interpret, I think Russia is going to be a major player. They are on the rise. Jesus is coming. James 5, 1 to 6 says there will be capital and labor conflict during the second coming. Think about it. Capital and labor conflict. Pastor Jim, what does that mean? Capital seeks the cheapest labor cost. Labor seeks the highest wage. Everyone is hiring. Why? I want to work for more. And so what is happening? Wages are continually increasing. Why? Because people won't work. There's capital and labor conflict. Never in my lifetime have I seen so many businesses that, that have, we're hiring. Amen. Capital and labor conflict is here. Oh, that's a sign of the times. Another sign of the time found in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4, there'll be increase in travel and knowledge. <laughs> Did you ever think we'd be the Jetsons? Well, we are. Did you ever think you could give $250,000, a quarter of a million dollars if you own Amazon, and you could just take a flight into space because you had $250,000? Did you ever think you could take your phone and talk to someone on the other side of the world in a multi-second? <laughs> Revelation 17, verses 12 to 14 says there'll be a one-world government, political powers that align themselves with the Antichrist. Oh, please read your newspaper. 2 Peter 3, verses 1 to 12 said, a sign of the time, not the rapture, second coming, there will be moral breakdown. <laughs> Abortion, divorce, sex trade, infidelity, pornography, gender confusion. Did you ever think you would see what you're seeing today? In 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 5, that says there will be, people will have a form of godliness but denying its power. They'll say, I'm a Christian, but I live in fear. Have you ever seen any Christians live more in fear than they are now? I'm a Christian, and the living God lives in me, but I deny the power that I can overcome fear and walk in faith and freedom in Christ in the middle of what we're in. Have you ever seen that in your lifetime? A form of godliness. I'm a Christian, but it sure doesn't look like it. I would say this. There should be a distinct difference than a redeemed follower of Christ in the middle of COVID than those that don't know Christ. Jesus lives in us. Amen. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 4. Amen, whoever that was, I agree. <laughs> Preach it. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 4. It's a reminder, another sign. There would be apostasy. Sightings of the saved from the truly saved. Have you ever seen more people like... I thought they were Christians. How about authors? Joshua Harris. Have you ever seen anything, churches rejecting the truth of God's word, now adopting the world's standards? We're followers of Christ. We preach God's word, the whole word, nothing but the word, but we've added to it. I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. Matthew chapter 24 in verse 7 says there will be earthquakes and famine and pestilence and floods and army worms. And <laughs> what a great name though, huh? 
California, Lake Tahoe is under fire. Hurricanes coming up through Louisiana. If you live in the Northeast, floods. Pestilence everywhere. Revelation chapter 13, verse 17, there will be governmental control. Turn to Revelation chapter 13. I I want you to turn there. Open your own Bible to Revelation chapter 13. Open up your phone if you don't have a Bible and turn to Revelation chapter 13 and verse 17. There will be government control. We'll be forced to have a card to work, eat, and travel. Revelation chapter 13 and look at verse 16. Well, 15, it says, the second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be what? Killed. And then it says this, this beast, it also forced how many people? All people, great and small, look, there's no delineation here, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hands and on their foreheads. It says they were forced, all people are forced, and then it says in verse 17, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the what? Mark, which is the name of the, of the beast or the number of its name. And then John says on the island of Patmos as he sees this vision, verse 18, this calls for what? Wisdom. Have you ever in your lifetime, come on, come on, the stage is being set, where in order for you to go to a restaurant to keep your job, you had, you were forced to get vaccinated? By the way, the vaccination is not the mark of the beast. What I'm saying is this. If we become so dull to what's happening that the stage is being set, think about it. How much easier it will be for the mark of the beast to say, here, put a chip in my hand, put a chip in my head. I want a Pepsi. Why? Why? Because it's already been set. It's convenient. I don't want to carry this paper card around anymore. I just want to have, make it easy. And what will happen? Well, I've already done this. And so people will be deceived to believe that the mark of the beast is the only way they will work, eat, and live. Come on, come on. Open your eyes, church of God. The stage is being set for that to happen. It's already happening to make it easier for that. Listen, there are signs. Your grass is getting eaten up. Do something about it now. How much more do you need? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 13, it's one of the best passages, I believe, on the rapture. There was this wedding that was taking place. And it says that the groom was going to the wedding, and 10 bridegrooms were making their way to the wedding. It says that he was so late that they fell asleep on the side of the road waiting for the groom to appear. Like, is he ever going to get here? Is he ever going to get here? When's he going to show up? And it said that five of them had planned and prepared for the groom's coming. You know what they did? They, they, they put oil in their lamps. And you know what they did? They carried a five-gallon jug of oil. And it says when the groom hadn't come and it was late and they fell asleep, they had enough oil to keep their, 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 their lamps running. But there were five of them that ran out because they weren't prepared for the groom's coming. They thought they could get there now and it would open. And so what do they do? They asked the ones that didn't have oil, hey, can I borrow some of your oil? And it says they asked the other five and the other five said, no, no, no. I was prepared and you weren't. Go find it somewhere else. Go buy it. It says, the text says that they left and they went down to the Philip 66 to get some oil. But it says on their way there, they turned around and came back. It says when they got to the wedding, the door was shut, closed. And they knocked on the door. And no one answered. And the groom said, I don't know you. 
Jesus said, that's how it's going to be, the rapture. People will scramble and run. What do I need to do? Where'd these people go? And they're going like, and he says, you didn't see the signs and you weren't prepared for the groom who's coming and he can't be stopped. And if you aren't prepared, then you will be left outside the door. And the text never opens the door. They're left outside. There's a door that leads to heaven. It's the door of God's grace. And it's held open by the bloody cross of Jesus Christ. It's not open forever. Today, the door is open. I just read the signs. I just told you the truth of God's word. He said, don't be like the people in Noah's day. Don't be like mama and daughter making supper. Don't think that I'm going to come and say, I'm coming I'm coming like a thief, so be ready because I'm coming. And if you're not ready, you will be left behind. So let me ask you today, are you ready? Do you really know that you're ready? The only way to be ready It's through the grace and the blood of Jesus on the cross. My Savior said this in John chapter 14. There's only one way to the Father. And he, he said, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets through the Father except through me. That's the gospel. Can I ask you a question? Do you know Jesus personally? Is there a stake in the ground moment that you drove in the ground and you said, today was the day I trusted in Jesus. I confessed my sin and by grace through faith, I have been saved. Not works, but the work of Jesus on the cross, I accept that eternal life. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed? Please don't leave. Don't leave this room. It would break my heart if the rapture occurred today and you heard this message that God wanted you to hear today and you were left behind because you thought you had time. Just like the, the bridesmaids, they, they, they thought they had time, but the door was shut. So if you don't know, please, I can't do it for you. Your, your family can't do it for you. They would love to but it's a decision that you decide upon. If you want to trust in Jesus today and be ready, then I'm going to ask you to trust him now. You could leave this auditorium. You can turn off the TV at home knowing Christ. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe he was resurrected, that we'll be saved. The Bible says it's by grace through faith that we're saved. The Bible says that we all fall short of God because of our sin. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So if you're uncertain and right now you get this pounding in your heart, and maybe this voice that's speaking the spirit of God is drawing you to trust in him 
Would you pray with me in the quietness of your heart and say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I fall short of God, of you because of my sin. Please forgive me of my sin. I repent and I want to choose to go in a different direction. I trust in the work of Jesus on the cross and I accept by grace through faith that Jesus is the answer. I will follow you, Jesus, the rest of my life. Save my soul, Jesus. If you're in this room or you're online and you trusted in Jesus, would you just put on there, I trusted in Jesus. But if you're in this room with our heads bowed, I want you to do something for me. I believe it's important that our first step is to acknowledge God before others. If you trusted in Jesus today and prayed to trust him, the prayer didn't save you. The prayer is just a confession of your heart to trust in Jesus. Would you do something for me? Just, just hold your hand up where you're at. Just right up, straight up. Don't be ashamed. There, there we go. There we go. One, two, three, four, five. Hold them up. Come on. Six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. God, I knew you had a reason for me to turn a direction out of Timothy and go to Matthew. And it's for my new brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray, God, that you would surprise them this week with your presence and your peace. I pray, God, that, that you would give them a holy boldness to share with others. I pray, God, that you would surround us with them because there's a fresh fire. Some of us need a fresh fire. We need to get close to the fire again so our fire's relit. And I pray, God, that we would be bold and tender in our witness to a lost world this week. Thank you, Jesus, that the gospel is still good today. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're about to sing. I actually ask our guys to... We had another song, that beautiful song that we sang in the first service, but I said, guys, I feel like God is saying, let's sing the hymn of heaven again. Let's sing it again, but because there will be new people who know Christ, and now they can thank him. So let me ask you, as we sing this song, picture, the rapture has occurred, and you're meeting Jesus we get to lift his name. Let's give him heavenly worship.